Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match review. I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm joined by Aaron Stokes. Pleasure to say we have this episode on the back of a Newcastle United win. They beat Wolves 1-0 up at St James Park on Friday. I'm sure many of you were there. And if you weren't, you probably watched it on Sky Sports. Fair to say, Aaron, it isn't a game that will last long in the memory, but a really important result for Newcastle United. Yeah, huge results. You know, they were going in and off the back of, you know, three defeats and a game that they really needed to, you know, set, send a statement out really back in under St James's Park. So, yeah, like you say, a game that won't live long in the memory. Very little quality on display, but the main thing was obviously just to get the three points and, and keep a clean sheet as well. Now, the goal came from a Chris Wood penalty. Really, really pleased to see him get on the score sheet. And it was a really good penalty as well. If Alan Shearer had taken that, you know, there would have been plenty of praise. Just kept his cool, slotted home in front of the Gallagates. Yeah, just a really clinical finish. Yeah, a really good finish. I actually wrote down on my notes that it was Shearer-esque. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see that you agree. But the, the build-up as well was fantastic. And I think, you know especially Wood making the penalty himself. It was very clever that he knew. He saw Saw racing out and he knew if I just get this touch patch from here, then it's an absolute no, no-brainer. no So, yeah, great to see him on the score sheet. Great to see that he's shouldering that responsibility and that he wants the penalties and he wants the, you know, the goals. So, yeah, long may it last. I mean, that build-up, as you mentioned there, there's a lot to talk about because a lot of the points we're going to mention in this episode are kind of within... The, the two minutes build up to that to that goal. The first thing I want to mention is is when you see Joe Linson bombing forward with the ball, if you watch Wood, the speed of Chris Wood is unbelievable. Like, he's not known to be a fast player, but you watch the way his arms and his legs are going. He's running for his life there to get into the box. And you know, it hadn't had the penalty not come off or he'd got a shot and had been saved. I still would have been applauding his efforts to get into the box because it was a real, real effort. And it, it, it maybe shows a different side to his game that, you know, when it needs to be, he can keep up with, with, with play and, you know, he really does put his all in. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen that side of Chris Wood at all. Even at Burnley, to be fair, he's more of a target man, you know, get the balls in the box for him. And that's where he does his danger. So it was interesting to see that he was, you know, sort of busting the gut to get there. And like you say, he did look. He had those Wolves defenders on toast, really. So, But the full move, as you say, there's a lot to unpick from it. And I think if St. Maximin, Jolinton and Chris Wood all acted, how they acted in that move, Newcastle United will you know, win the league next year because they all were just absolutely spot on in the move. St. Maximan, one touch and go. Joe Linton driving forward, which we don't sort of see him do as often as we should. And then, like you say, Chris Wood getting in behind the defenders for a change and, and obviously winning the penalty. So, yeah, a really, really good bit of play in, in a game that, you know, there wasn't much quality in. Yeah, it lacked quality. And like you say, it was one of the, the, the standout moments of the game. We'll dive straight into the answer Maximum debate because I felt this performance just fueled the debate that's been going on in the past few weeks. And I know previous episodes of the podcast, we had Matt Ketchell on last week and he said he felt it had been a little bit blown out of proportion. I know I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. He frustrated me on, on Friday, but then he had that one moment of magic to put the ball through the legs of Bolly to set Joe Linton away. And that's what he can do. And, and we also saw during the game, you know, when he's running it defences, they, they're scared. They can't handle them. And and the frustrating thing for me was that it was just the decision-making. 
You know, he wasn't passing the ball at the right time, in my view. He wasn't taking a shot. There was one moment in the second half, and I was sitting in the leader's end, and he, uh, he comes in from the left, he dodges past a few players, and he passes the ball out. I can't remember who was out on the wide, but he passes the ball out. And everyone kind of turned and said something on the lines of, the one time you don't want him to pass the ball, and the one time you want him to actually shoot was that move there. And he's passed the ball when the rest of the game we've been screaming to pass the ball. And it just goes to show that this debate will, will rage on when he is given those performances where he's not at the top of his game, but he's not exactly playing poorly. Yeah, 100%. And I think we all said before the game on Friday that this is the game he needed to show up and finally sort of prove the doubters wrong. And we all sort of went went in at half-time thinking that was such a low-quality game. And St Maximum, they were actually using him quite a lot, you know, Miggy came on for Fraser really but all Newcastle's attacks or the majority of them were coming down the left but St Maximum just didn't seem to have the sort of beating of the world's defenders and I think fans were sort of getting on his back in the first half he, he you know not many players played well in the first half but I think he was he was certainly one of them so second half I thought he was much better and I I don't really agree with the stick that he's got in recent days about his performance. He was brilliant for the goal. Like I say, no sort of faffing about with the ball. Just give it give it and go. One touch. Obviously set up the move. He had that volley in the in the box which he should have done better with. But then he, he also squared the ball and Chris Wood was inches away from getting on that. And there was that time that you've just mentioned there where I think it was Bruno that he passed it to who squeezed it a was, shot off. Yeah, yeah. Um and you're just looking at thinking, yeah, that was probably the time to shoot. But I thought he was their main outlet in the second half, which was a much improved team performance. Um, yes, look, he didn't get his goal and, and he did. He was sort of infuriating at times. But I, I didn't think he deserved the stick that he got that I was seeing on social media sort of over the weekend. What was really interesting was to hear the, the debate in person. So as I said, I was in the leaders then, and you were here, and I was hearing different views from from different fans, and it was it, it, it was it was quite something because obviously, like you say, we are looking on social media and we're seeing the tweets, or we're seeing the comments on on the stories on Facebook. But to, to be actually sat there and and, and hearing this in, in person was was fascinating. I just feel like he is Newcastle's only real outlet going forward, but that shouldn't necessarily excuse him from from criticism when it's justified and I do think on Friday again it's it's constructive criticism I think at least from myself just release the ball a little bit earlier you know because he, he often tries to take on one man too early or he's missing that key pass and if he does that and it, and it is literally it's such fine margins I think as well because it is literally just the right pass and we'll be talking about him as you know actually living up to what we know he can do this is the debate that we've been having for you know weeks and months is that he does all the right things apart from his decision making and it, it, is, it is such a simple thing that if he just released the ball at the right time or he got his head up a bit earlier then we would be talking about a really really good player but at the minute he's still frustrating because he just tries to beat players when he shouldn't beat players and I still think look he, he has got you know a good majority of Newcastle's goals this season but I don't think he scores enough um, and obviously it's hard when he when he is the main outlet like that you need to be adding goals to your game and you know 
yes, his percentage-wise in terms of Newcastle goals is good this season, but he hasn't scored enough for me. So, look, he's a he's a frustrating one, and I think we'll be having this debate next week and the week after. And until he sort of hits that level of consistency, I think there's always going to be a debate. But I was sat on the ground, and obviously I was in the press area, so I was on on social media and sort of gauging the reaction. And fans on social media were, you know, sort of slating him. And as those tweets were coming through the Gallagher obviously started singing his name at the exact same time. So it shows that, yes, fans get frustrated with him, but they do really want him to do well. Because if he does, you know, sort of find that level of improvement in his game, he he would be such a fan favourite. So mm. you've just got to hope that he if does. If he does well, Newcastle United yeah. do well. And you're right, the Gallagher corner especially, you know, started singing his name in the moments later. He does that, that, that one piece of magic, which arguably leads to Newcastle United winning the game. Let's talk about the crowd. We discussed this earlier on, our feelings on, on the atmosphere on Friday. Obviously, the first home game in quite a while since the, the 5th of March, wasn't it? Newcastle United really needed a win as well against the Wolves side who are flying high, European as, uh, ambitions. So, no easy game at all there. And um, I felt, you know, the, the flag displays, the, the flag mess by War Flags, superb as always. It looked brilliant. And then... I just felt the, the the ground and the atmosphere, it was a little bit, I felt a little bit flat up until that moment where they started singing Alan St. Maxim's name. And then that's when it changed. Obviously, then Chris Wood gets the penalty, scores it. And from then on, it, it did go up a level. And then the end, you know, many fans staying behind, waving the flags. And by the way, if you're one of the numpties taking these flags home, come on, have a word, return it, because these flags are so important to the to the rest of the season. They've got massive plans for this Leicester game coming up and then the Palace game, but they can't do it if people are taking the flags home. So if you've got one sitting in your front room, I don't know what you're going to do with it. Bring it back to St. James's Park, no questions asked. But yeah, atmosphere-wise, I just felt it was a little bit flat up until they started singing St. Maximum. I don't know what it was. I mean, I don't know whether it was the realisation that if Newcastle don't pick up a win here... You know, the threat of relegation is is still very much on. I mean, as it is, I mean, had had they not won that game, taking in the rest of the results this weekend, the, the gap would have been seven points with Burnley having a game in hand. So, a crucial win. But what was your take on it? I think there was probably two reasons why there was that period of about maybe 45 minutes to an hour where it was flat. And I think one you've touched on there is the fact that the game was on a knife edge you thought that one goal either way was going to win it. And of course, when if Wolves had got that goal, like you say, Newcastle sort of pulled right back into that relegation battle. But I also just think the lack of quality on display in the first 45 minutes, it was hard for really, I don't think the crowd could have done, I don't think the crowd sort of being lively would have made an impact because Wolves, I mean, were, were terrible. But I, I thought even though Newcastle dominated the ball in the first 45 minutes, it didn't actually show much and... You know, didn't actually have a shot on target. You know, I know, I know Chris Wood scored, but it was obviously disallowed. So that was probably the reason for the sort of hour of the bit of the lull. But I agree with what you say. I thought before the game was fantastic. And I think especially being away from home the last four games, it was, a, you know, that sort of added to the sort of feeling of being back. And it was, um, it was good to see that obviously the flag display was all around the ground. And then obviously after the game was was quite special, you know, the players doing sort of half of a lap of honour um, and that feeling of sort of being back home was there. So, 
Yeah, look, if Newcastle, if St James's Park's like that, what we saw the last half an hour for the rest of the season, then I think you know we'll be fine in home games. Yeah, I mean we saw really Rose talk about this twelfth man, this cliche twelfth man, but we really saw it with what happened with Alan St Max Bruno there. I think Newcastle United fans really do understand he's that kind of player. He's a confidence player. You know, he needs to be he needs to be loved. He needs an arm around the shoulder. So to hear his name being chanted when he will be fully aware that he's not lived up to to his own hype over the last few weeks. So to hear that his name being chanted, I mean, that's a really good understanding between, between the, you know, the supporters at the stadium and arguably their star player. Yeah, 100%. And players like St. Maximum, it's so easy for fans to sort of get on their back. As Scapegoat, a, yeah. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? When he is their main outlet and he's doing more than most to try and get them in the game, Look, St James's Park's atmosphere usually is fantastic, but it can just turn at times and they can just sort of get on players' backs at times. And it was good. I thought it was really, really pleasing to see that, you know, the full stand stood up and, and supported him in unison. And St Maximin is a confidence player as well, you know what I mean? When he's taken on these players and it's going right for him, he has these sort of standout games. And I think with the crowd on his back, you know, he is just sort of going to go missing like he does from time to time. So, yeah, really good to see. And, while you know he probably didn't impress everyone, I thought I thought he was Newcastle's best player going forward, especially. Hmm. He's the only one that really gets players off the seat, isn't it? Uh, sorry, his fans off their seats. So it's going to be interesting, as I say. I'm sure this debate will rage on. Great scenes at the end with uh, Bruno Gomes hoisting up the the ball boy on the, the celebrations, and you know you can really sense that this win meant a lot to the Newcastle United players. You know they understood how important it was to get three points especially after losing the last three of course it didn't go all the plan during the game Ryan Fraser who has been unbelievable under Heliau like a, like, a, like a new player essentially he had to go off after what about 12 minutes and it was interesting wasn't it because we saw the players warming up and I think most people had you been presented with that scenario before the game would have said Jacob Murphy would have been the man, but he, Eddie Howe turned to, to Almiron. And on Miggy, look, everyone knows I'm a big fan of him. Some people have tipped him. I think when you're one of the people who said he'll probably be the big, first big money victim of the new year, he, he will be sold probably in the, in the summer. But Eddie Howe seems to like him. And, and, and I, I can't work out whether he's just kind of, he's, he's doing in many ways what you would expect of a manager. He's not throwing anyone under the bus. He's saying, look, you're a good player, I like you, because you're not going to say, actually, you know what, you're out in the summer. Or if there's a genuine actual, that's what he's doing, or there's a genuine like for him, and, and going forward, next 18 months, Almiron's going to be a big part of this club. Yeah, it was it was interesting, because I think if this game had been played six months ago, and Fraser would have gone off injured, I think it was an absolute no-brainer that it was Murphy. You know, Murphy was actually quite well liked by how at the start of the season he's sort of faded a bit now and he isn't getting as much game time but I actually put the question to how after the game as to why he made that decision and he couldn't have been you know he couldn't have spoke higher of Miggy in that in that press conference after he said you know he, he grafted and he's honest and he also said that he feels he hasn't been able to show his best for Newcastle in recent weeks, whether it be because of injury or whether he was travelling to Paraguay for the international duty. So, how clearly see something in him? And yes, you know, I have said in the last couple of weeks that I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the summer. But the more I sort of hear how talk about him in recent weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually stayed. 
Um, yeah, I said the same about Murphy though, hasn't he? In in mm. recent months. So we, this is what I mean. It's it, it's so interesting because you, you you do wonder whether he's just saying the right things for the players. Mm. That's what you've got to do as a manager. Like I say, you, you want everyone to believe they have a future at this club. You're not going to with nine eight games to go say actually you know what you're out the door and this it's because it, it, it just wouldn't it wouldn't be beneficial to Newcastle United. But you know he came on maybe a totally different player to Ryan Fraser in, in many many ways. But he just puts that effort in the work rate, and he did bring, he did he, like he hurries the opposition, doesn't he? I think that's one of his main assets. He, he presses and he forces, you know, players the opposition into to making mistakes or moving the ball on a bit faster than they would they would necessarily like. And you know, if Ryan Fraser, I mean, I don't know, did Eddie Howe mention about the injury? Is there any word on how long he might be out for? The there was no word in the immediate aftermath of, of in terms of a timescale, but he did say that the thought was a hamstring injury. So that probably a few weeks. You'd be thinking that, you know, maybe he'd maybe get the last couple of games if he recovers. But this is a big this is a big chance for Miggy or Murphy. But you'd think at the minute it's going to be Miggy to really show that he has got a future here. And the thing I was impressed with with Miggy in the game when he came on is yes, he was, you know pressing and he was you know sort of hurrying the Wolves players but I thought in the first half especially he was actually quite good going forward and he did that you know quite a good drag back for Bruno when obviously the goal was disallowed for VAR and he also had quite a good effort in the first half where I think he shot over um so look he's 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 got to take his chance now and and if it is a sort of serious hamstring injury then he's gonna have you'd think maybe five or six games to show how that he can stay beyond the summer Let's talk about Bruno Gomeresh. <laughs> We're running out of positive things to say about him because we've kind of said it all, mm-hmm. and he just keeps he just keeps getting better and better. And he was fantastic again against Wolves. And we've said it before: look, Wolves was not an easy opposition. They are a good side. Um, they, they didn't turn up for whatever reason on Friday. Newcastle took full advantage, but they are a good side. And he just he was my man of the match. And, you know, he's just good on the ball. He can go forward, he can go back, he can get his foot stuck in. One of the things that stood out for me was the way he was drawing fouls and Newcastle United was sometimes under the cosh a little bit against Wolves and they just needed that little bit of relief. He was fouled five times, which was more than any other Newcastle United player. Some of the fouls, in my view, were definitely not fouls, but the referee got... um, how shall we say, persuaded maybe by the way Bruno fell to the floor that it was a foul. But, you know, Newcastle United needed that to break up the, the the Wolves attack. And I just thought that was another side to his game that just shows what a very intelligent and clever player he is to, to win those fouls, to draw those fouls, to give Newcastle that relief when they most need it. It's it's hard to know what to say about him because, like you say, we I feel like we are just repeating ourselves because every week whether he comes off the bench and he plays for 10 minutes or whether he starts, we're all just saying that he's just a level above. And I think that was clear on Friday night, his first start at St. James's Park. So it was good to actually see him for a prolonged period. I also loved, I'm not sure if you saw this, but on social media when he got took off and replaced, he sort of looked over at the bench and was like, who, me? Like, there's no chance I can be going off after the game I've just had. But... Look, he's brilliant on the ball. He links the play up so well. He's very intelligent with his passing. But as you've just touched on, he's also very intelligent as to knowing when to sort of go down. And there was a couple of times where he was carrying the ball through the midfield and he went down easily. But it's what Newcastle needs. So 
yeah, look, I also thought it was interesting um, in the post-match press conference, Kieran Kelly, our colleague, asked how about Bruno and said that how he's played in the last sort of two or three months, will it sort of affect Newcastle's transfer plans in the summer in the sense that will they be looking for more Brunos? Obviously, you know, Lucas uh, Paqueta has been linked, you know, very highly. He's a, you know, sort of a close friend of Bruno. So I think they will definitely be looking for sort of another midfield player like that. And I think if you can get anybody near Bruno's quality in the summer, then they're going to be laughing next season because, yeah, look, he was fantastic again. You would, you would like to think that they, they they will do, won't you? Because of, you know, that's, they've set the bar now. And obviously they did their scouting work, they did their preparation. And as we mentioned at our live event on, on Thursday, thank you everyone who, who came out to that. It was a great night. Lots of money raised for the, for the fans' food bank. The summer, let's say Newcastle are safe. I, I don't think they're going to go down. Our panel on Thursday said not, not a chance in, in so many words. Um, but the summer's a clean slate. So to be able to buy in the players that did, like Bruno Gomes, to persuade them, this is the place for, for you, especially given the trouble Newcastle were in, the summer's a clean slate and you'll have a director of football hopefully coming in, maybe, maybe, I mean, even if they have to wait for Dan Ashworth and it's November, you know, the the team, the recruitment team, plus Eddie Howe have shown they, they can do a good job and just, like I say, imagine that, they've got that clean slate to work with and it's it's going to be so exciting to see what they can do. 100%, I mean, we, we've touched on it a couple of times on the podcast and at the live event that if that's the type of player they can bring in in January, when they're battling relegation, just imagine the type of player that they're going to be able to bring in in the summer once they're safe and they've got a you know a fresh season to look at it. So, look, you know Bruno was wanted by Arsenal. Trippy, I know there's links with him going to Man United before he came. So already, you know Newcastle are showing that they compete with the big boys. And when you've got the likes of, you know, names being mentioned for this summer, sort of Calvin Phillips and players that are probably going to be on low wages and you know could be in need of a new move. I think it's a very, very exciting time. I think it'll be a busy summer, busy summer for Newcastle. We've got some questions in from our listeners. Um, Sam Green actually sent this in to be asked at the live event. So apologies, Sam, that we didn't get around to, to asking it, but I'll ask it now on, on this episode. Um, and of course, I will we'll put out there that Sam's opinion may have changed um, following Joe Linton's uh, performance against Wolves, but nevertheless, I will, I will ask his question. And he asks, um, Joe Linton's turnaround in form is impressive, but he says, I still see a lack of quality in him. He feels he isn't good enough in possession. What do you make of that? I think the the annoying thing is probably the way to put it with Joe Linton is that he's got all the makings of a fantastic sort of, I know it's a cliche, but Patrick Vieira type midfielder, but he carries the ball so well. And then I think once he gets to the final third, sort of forgets what to do with it. He isn't very good in front of goal, doesn't have that many assists to his name. And I think when you've got Joe Willock, who does score, you've got Bruno, who's sort of an all-rounder, you know, is Joe Linton going to sort of be found out that actually, you know, he hasn't he hasn't got the makings of a centre midfielder? But I think for now, in terms of, you know, the positional change and how he's gone from attack to midfield, he's been, it's been a good role for him. I just, as I've said, I think we said, we touched on it last time, I'm not sure whether long-term midfield is going to position or, or, or whether he goes back to being a number 10. It's interesting, isn't it? And again, it's just one of those positive dilemmas, I guess, Eddie Howe will, will welcome. You know, there's a decision to be made then. For a long time, Newcastle United fans have looked at the squad and looked at the players and, and, and 
you know, there's not been many options in, in many of the positions. And now Eddie Howe has got a lot of options, a lot of players stepping up to the plate. You know, some players like Emil Kraft, like um, Ankeo, like Fabian Shea, who maybe people wrote off. And they are stepping up to a, to another level and presenting Eddie Howe not just a decision now, but also in the summer about their futures, which is um, which is just all any Newcastle United manager and any Newcastle United fan has ever wanted. Martin Dubravka didn't have much to do against Wolves, but he performed, he, he, when called upon, there was a great save late into the game. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate about his future, but, you know, he showed, I thought on Friday, why he's still a top, top keeper. Because when you've had relatively little to do and then you're called upon and you make a fantastic save like he did down to the right side of his goal, uh, that, that was creeping in. And, uh, like I say, he just switched on. Yeah, 100%. He didn't have much to do throughout the entirety of the game, but that save from Silva was, I mean, crucial. And it was a great save because the shot was hit so quickly. You know, I think it probably took most players by surprise, but yeah, great save. I think there's been a lot of talk about Dubravka. I think under Benitez was when he was at his best. I think we have seen maybe a bit of a decline in him, but still a top-class goalkeeper. And still, I think a goalkeeper that... If he's here next season and he's still the number one, there'll be no complaints. You know, names will be thrown around this summer. You know, Kepa Riza Balaga, Dean Henderson, those types are always going to be linked. But I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't think many people would be surprised if he was still in between the sticks next season. I've got a question from Ian, and he would like to know your view on, you know, Newcastle have essentially, he says, beaten Wolves, and they're the, they're the team, they're the kind of team Newcastle will be looking to to match next season so did you see he asked did you see any hope from the performance on Friday to, to where Newcastle can maybe get next season I think it's hard to judge on Friday because I think Wolves were very very poor and you know Wolves who are battling for Europa League or you know hoping to get in the Europe this season I think that was an off day for them and Bruno Lodge even said in his press conference that you know they, they can and they have played so much better so on the face of it, it's positive to beat them at home. It's positive to, you know, keep them out and frustrate them at times. But I also think, um, you know, it's probably not best to judge them on that performance, given that they've been so good this season and they would just look like a completely different team on Friday. But obviously, you know, next season, that is going to be where Newcastle want to be. They're going to, you know, have aspirations to finish in the top half. And, you know, when the top six is now a top eight and then you've got the likes of Wolves and Villa on top of that... You know, it's going to be hard to, you know, to press that top eight next season, but that's where they'll want to be. And results like Friday will only give them confidence to do so. Mm. I mean, it was good to see Dan Byrne have a, have a decent game. He's rightly, in my view, been criticised in, in recent games for, for switching off. And I, I, you know, I tweeted against after the Spurs game that he'd had a, had a shock and I, I still stand by that. So it was good to see him just get back to basics, I felt, against Wolves. You know, nothing too daft. He wasn't playing mind games. He was just doing... What he's been brought into, just that old school sort of defending. Um, Fabian Cher, for me, you know, again, he's another one that divides opinion. I know a lot of people like him, and I just feel he kind of reminded, or at least he reminded me of, of why I think he just isn't the top quality centre back many people think he is. That's just my view, but there was the moment where he gives the ball away and then he, he gets beaten to it by Silva, doesn't he? And he just hacks him down. Silva's you know, on the left wing, he's not going towards goal. There's no need to hack him down. He gets booked for it. He's, it was just a silly, silly challenge. And he's got those moments in him. But again, previous few weeks, he's 
he's you know he's he's been at a very decent level so i'm sure i'll get pelters off some for that um emil craft you know he's again another one that gets a lot of stick but he did it he did a decent job and we we both agreed there was that one moment where um wills won the tack and he, he it was on the counter attack and he sprints back you can see how fast he's running he gets turned gets back to his feet he's in the box and i don't think he gets a block and he just fo- he just forces it doesn't he? he forces the player to to get his shot off a little bit earlier than he would have liked and i think it ends in dubravka's arms doesn't it and craft then is down on the floor and he's he's feeling the the 250 300 meters that he's just ran at top <laughs> speed but that that's exactly what you want to see from from someone like Kraft, who hasn't maybe got the the all the ability in the world, he's never going to be a Kieran Trippier, but he's putting his all into it, and he's he's quietly gone about his game, and he is improving, I think, on Eddie Howe. Yeah, I would agree, and I think I thought he was probably apart from Bruno the best player on the pitch on Friday night. I thought he was really impressive. There was a moment in the first half going forward where he intercepts the ball. Um, when Wolves were about to counter-attack and he sets up that disallowed goal that uh, Wood scored. And like you say, that second half, I mean, he got turned inside out by, I can't remember the Wolves attacker, but he got sent to the shops for, for a paper for the Chronicle and then, uh, you know, recovered really well. So good to see that he's sort of, he was left out against Spurs. He's came straight back in and he's impressed. You know, like you say, the defence didn't have much to do, but I thought I thought Shaw was a bit better apart for those moments in the second half. Byrne needed a good game after sort of the mistakes he'd made against Everton and Chelsea and Matt Target didn't have much to do but I saw I saw a lot of people praising Matt Target on social media um, and I think the general consensus among fans is that it would be good if he stayed in the summer I mean I know there's been no decision made from the club about whether he stays or not but I think if he was their regular left back next season I don't think many people would have complaints so it was a good defensive performance good to get a clean sheet and um and yeah, I think the players that needed to step up did. We're on John Joe Shelby, captain for the night, and you know he put in a, a decent shift. And I guess it's one of those performances where you are getting slightly frustrated again because he, why doesn't he do this on a more consistent basis? You know, his, you know, he was uh, he put in, um, he put in the most long, long balls, so he was the most accurate player when it came came to long ball passes, which is his bread and butter. But again, I just thought he did everything he needed to do without being overly impressive but it's that line of consistency that we well, we don't see on a consistent basis in my opinion yeah I thought I thought he was disciplined on Friday which I haven't said much yeah. about him but I thought when you've got Shelby, Jolinton and Bruno in a three and you're playing Shelby as the deepest man you need him to be disciplined because they are going to he's not going to do the running but Jolinton and Bruno are going to be all over and they're going to be getting pulled out of position and stretched and bombing forward and I thought he I thought he held the shape brilliantly he has those nights doesn't he where every pass he makes finds someone and then you know we'll go watch him next year against Leicester and he'll be spraying 40 yard boards balls out of the out of the pitch so yeah I thought he was great but I thought there wasn't really a player on Friday that didn't have a good game so it was it was good to see the response after you know that sort of lagging form that the team have had recently yeah, absolutely vital win. I mean, they needed a win and everyone needed to step up and they did. Again, just shows the great team spirit within within the camp and you saw the celebrations at the end, Eddie Howe punching the punching for the for the sky and the players Shelby with his arms up in the air. They they understood how important it was to get three points to get back to, to winning ways and, and well, the results this this weekend kind of went their way with the way Burnley 
messed up against Norwich, but um, you know, the win was the win was most certainly needed. Um I have got another question for you, but I've totally forgotten what <laughs> it was, Aaron. Height of professionalism as ever. Oh yes, now I now I've remembered. Um does that win give Newcastle their Premier League status for next season? I think yeah, definitely. I mean we said at the live event Friday the full panel was in agreement that they were already safe and that was before Friday, I think I think if you're looking at the bottom three now, I think all three of them will struggle to get out. It's ten points, they've got seven games left. I think they're safe and I think any any result against Leicester on Sunday and I think it's it's pretty much certain. So yeah, I've got no worries that they're gonna be sort of dragged back into it late. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting game against Leicester. We'll have a usual match preview. John Gibson returns this Thursday and we'll have the view from the opposition as well. So look out for those podcasts. Please remember to like and follow the Everything is Black and White podcast on your podcast provider. Totally free to do just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification saying it's ready to download or listen to and leave us a rating and review. With every rating and review we get, it just helps us get the show out to a wider audience. And once again, thank you to everyone who came to our live event. Haven't yet totaled up the total amount raised, but I did put around about £175 in the food bank bucket before the game against Wolves so that was just from the raffle we had so we had quite a few people uh, buying tickets and what have you so it'd be really good to get the, the total amount over to the food bank and that's just helped feed quite a few families in this community always good to see fans dropping pound coins and notes into the bucket as well on March days and I know the food bank are very very grateful for whatever you guys spare it's just great to see everyone helping the most vulnerable in this city especially at a time of need such as now. Aaron, that's everything. Every, that is the end of the Everything is Black and White podcast. Nice to have an episode based on a win. Fingers crossed we can get another one out next Monday on the back of a win against Leicester. In the meantime, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs>